Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, the breaking news out of the Supreme Court just hours after an unusual request from the special counsel investigating Donald Trump, the nation's highest court agreeing to fast-track the process. Plus, the South cleans up after a deadly tornado outbreak. The massive cleanup as thousands are without power and cold temperatures roll in. Pressure mounts as faculty members come to the defense of Harvard's president. Tonight, the new financial fallout at elite universities. A mechanical issue forces a Delta flight to divert to a small Canadian airport. The travel nightmare that happened next. It's been more than 15 plus hours since any of us have had a real meal. We start a new series looking at the pandemic's lingering effects on America's children. In Jefferson County, Kentucky, the number of students chronically absent has skyrocketed since the pandemic. We'll follow along as they search for students. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. And the nominees are in. Who received the most Golden Globe nominations? We'll tell you. You're the best, or you wouldn't be in here. Good evening and thank you for being with us. Tonight we begin with breaking news. The Supreme Court just moments ago taking a step forward in a historic case involving Donald Trump. Late this afternoon, the Supreme Court agreeing to hear an extraordinary petition from special counsel Jack Smith, who is pursuing this criminal prosecution of Trump for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Now, the nation's highest court is now set to weigh in for the first time on the historic criminal prosecution of a former president. The special counsel is asking the justices to break from tradition and decide quickly on whether Donald Trump has immunity. Here is what the special counsel wrote in this petition. This case presents a fundamental question at the heart of our democracy, whether a former president is absolutely immune from federal prosecution for crimes committed 
while in office. Robert Costa is our chief election and campaign correspondent. He's here to help us understand these big developments. So, Robert, the special counsel is trying to make sure that his case moves forward on March 4th, right? No, that's exactly right. Jack Smith is looking into the future. He knows when the January 6th trial begins next year, former President Trump will claim it's illegal and try to raise that with the highest court. That view is backed up by our sources who say Trump is pushing his lawyers to appeal, appeal and appeal and argue he should be immune from prosecution about his alleged conduct while serving as president. But now Smith is trying to get ahead of Trump's strategy to make sure he's on solid ground legally and won't be delayed by a flurry of motions from Trump. Trump's team pushed back against him today, saying Smith is attempting to bypass the appeal process. They now have until December 20th to respond before the high court weighs in if they do it all. All of this, of course, is going to take place as the Republican presidential race heats up next spring and Trump could be wrapping up the nomination. Also in this petition, why did the special counsel reference U.S. versus Nixon? Or history hovers over everything, especially with this case. And remember, back in 1974, the U.S. government said President Richard Nixon couldn't protect his case, his tapes. Now the special counsel, Jack Smith, is looking for a similar ruling from the court to say prosecutors can move forward and try to prosecute a president or a former president. And do it expeditiously. Robert, thank you. Well, now to severe weather and heavy rain and snow across the country. Flooding still a concern in New England over the next few days. This as the same storm system that led to a tornado outbreak with at least eight twisters touching down across Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi and North Carolina, killing six people. There was one EF3 tornado with winds up to 150 miles per hour. It was on the ground for an hour and it traveled 40 miles. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas shows us the devastation tonight from hard hit Clarksville, Tennessee. That's about an hour outside Nashville. (gasps) Residents captured the disaster unfolding over Middle Tennessee Saturday. Oh, my God. Electrical equipment blowing up, lighting up the night sky. Daylight revealed the devastation after more than a dozen possible tornadoes tore through the state, leaving nearly 100 injured and at least six dead, including 10-year-old Arlen Burnham. 31-year-old Floridalma Gabriel Perez and her 2-year-old son Anthony Mendez also died when the tornado tossed a nearby trailer, crushing their mobile home. Perez's husband said in Spanish that he and their other two children were also home and lucky to have survived. One of the firemen, I said, did they find the baby? And they said yes, they couldn't find it because she was holding it, covering it, protecting it. Churches and emergency shelters are trying to provide the basics to those who lost all. As small armies of volunteers help with cleanup, like Ryan Puckett. How great is the need here? It's it's pretty great. I mean, we need people, we need donations. It's cold and it's only going to keep getting colder. And these people need hope. Quite plain and simple. The system's impact is far-reaching. It also spawned tornadoes in North Carolina and Alabama, bringing heavy rain to New England, where flood watches are still in effect tonight. Back in Tennessee, Tanya Osborne says she's lucky she wasn't home when her house was ripped apart. But the recovery won't be easy. My whole life has been reduced to several garbage bags and what I can get in them and what I can salvage. And as the cleanup continues here in Clarksville tonight, there are still more than 14,000 customers in this area who do not have power and temperatures are expected to dip below freezing once again overnight. Nora? Manny Bajorquez, thank you so much. 
Tonight, the fallout for elite college presidents continues after that congressional testimony about how to handle anti-Semitism on college campuses. One of the three presidents is out of a job, and as CBS's Nicole Killian reports, she may not be alone. Amid calls for her removal, supporters of Harvard President Claudine Gay rallied to her defense, from alumni to staff. More than 700 faculty members signed a letter urging Harvard's governing boards to resist political pressures that are at odds with Harvard's commitment to academic freedom. History professor Allison Frank Johnson co-authored the letter. Those 700-plus signatories all agreed on the fundamental importance of the university from political interference. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. Gay's response at a congressional hearing last week, along with the presidents of MIT and University of Pennsylvania, ignited a political firestorm. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Saturday, Penn President Liz McGill resigned. I would say it's bittersweet. A.L. Yacobi is a senior at Penn who attended the hearing. And I think what it exposed is what a lot of us have been saying for for a while now, is that there's a sense of moral ambivalence when it comes to anti-Semitism. Following McGill's resignation, Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik posted on X, one down, two to go. Michael Roth is president of Wesleyan University. President, I hope they don't lose their job because they would then be subject to these outside forces the Republican congresswoman on the one hand, but also these big donors who are trying to throw their weight around. And I think that's not good for the long-range health of these schools. Before McGill's resignation here at Penn, at least one major donor threatened to pull a $100 million donation. And a prominent Harvard alum claims the university is missing out in over a billion dollars in terminated donations in light of the controversy. Harvard's president has apologized for her testimony. Nora? Nicole Killian, thank you. Well, now to some more breaking news from New York City. First responders are on the scene at an apartment building in the Bronx that partially collapsed this afternoon. You can see a corner of the seven-story building crumbled to the ground, exposing several rooms to the street. Officials say they have evacuated everyone, but they continue to search through the rubble for any victims. So far, there are no reports of injuries. Turning overseas now to the war in Gaza, the Israeli military says it now controls the main square in Gaza City, the headquarters of Hamas. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calls it the beginning of the end for the terror group. CBS's Charlie Daggett reports from Israel. The Israeli military released new videos said to show troops advancing further into southern Gaza, a house-by-house battle of urban warfare. With Hamas officials updating the death toll past 18,000 today, envoys from the U.N. Security Council visited the Egyptian border crossing with Rafah. The U.S.'s sole veto against a ceasefire has fueled anti-war protests in the West Bank. The anger and the outrage is growing here in the West Bank with every day the war goes on and every victim inside Gaza. Aimed not just at Israel, but increasingly against America. My message is to the United States is not to use the veto against the ceasefire because they believe in democracy and they support democracy. And democracy is, is, is saving lives. Despite those frustrations, the U.S. is already part of post-war plans for Gaza, according to Palestinian Minister of Social Affairs, Ahmed Majdalani. They are discussion. They have idea. 
those ideas may not be the same. Their plan includes an element of what may remain of Hamas. But Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has called for the group's total destruction. Maybe Israel, they, they can destroy his military forces, but they cannot destroy Hamas as an organization. An organization not only blamed for the massacre of more than 1,200 Israelis, but reiterating threats that not a single hostage will leave unless all its demands for a prisoner release are met. Nora? Charlie Daggett, thank you. And the Israel-Hamas war is creating political pressure on President Biden back here at home. Dozens of protesters were arrested at the Capitol today as they demanded a ceasefire in the war. And a new CBS News poll finds most Americans disapprove of the president's handling of the conflict. And that number is growing as the war stretches into its third month. CBS's Ed O'Keefe travels to the battleground state of Michigan to understand how the war could impact Biden's reelection hopes. 23-year-old Adam Abu Salah's concerns about President Biden are an alarm bell for Democrats. As a community, uh, we're tired of voting for um, the lesser of two evils. Four years ago, he campaigned for the president, urging neighbors in predominantly Arab-American Dearborn, Michigan, to vote against Donald Trump. If you were to ask me two months ago if I was going to vote for Joe Biden, yeah, I would have held my nose and voted for him. But as the administration continues standing by Israel's deadly attacks in Gaza... In November, we remember. Abu Salah says he and his community can no longer stand by the president. The same way that they're being silent right now in the face of injustices, we're going to be silent in November 2024. Abdullah Hamoud is Dearborn's first ever Arab American mayor. And he says many here have lost loved ones during the fighting. What's unfolding overseas is not a political crisis and it's not complicated. It's a humanitarian one. A Democrat, the mayor applauds the president's domestic accomplishments, but is now struggling with his support. If you face the binary choice of re-electing the president or re-electing the former president, what do you do? Well, you have, a, you have an issue where you have both individuals with blood on their hands. One is spewing, obviously, very hateful rhetoric, but we have a current president that, whose policies overseas have resulted in the loss of nearly 20,000 Gazans. Holding Michigan is key to a Biden victory in 2024. 146,000 Muslim Americans voted here in 2020, with nearly 70 percent nationally going for the president. But Abu Salah warns the anger here could cost the president the election. So then what will the people do? Stay home? No, we're going to go vote, but we're going to keep the top of the ticket empty. You would skip voting for president in 2024. Yes. Even if it meant Donald Trump might win the presidency. If you were to tell me that my vote would be the vote whether Biden wins in Michigan or not, I will still not vote for Biden. Well, from the campaign trail, now Ed O'Keefe joins us from the White House as another issue facing President Biden is Ukraine funding. President Zelensky in Washington tonight as Congress blocks aid. What's at stake here, Ed? Well, Nora, this really is a last-ditch attempt by President Zelensky to save needed war funding. It's been caught up in a fight between Congress and the president over border policy. CBS News has learned President Biden personally invited Zelensky to Washington, first for bipartisan meetings on Capitol Hill. Then they'll have a press conference together here at the White House. Zelensky is so concerned about the impasse that in a speech earlier today here in Washington, he warned, quote, if there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's Putin and his sick clique. Nora? That's pretty strong, Ed O'Keefe. Thank you. 
Well, now we begin a new series looking at what's been dubbed the COVID generation, students whose lives were forever changed by the pandemic. CBS's Meg Oliver reports how young people continue to feel the effects, not to their health, but to their education. In Louisville, Kentucky, Chris Lance is part of the attendance team, making up to 30 house calls a week searching for chronically absent students. First stop of the day, what happened? No answer. No answer again. No answer again. Same. Same thing. In this school district in Jefferson County, 63% of families rely on schools for meals. Chronic absenteeism, defined as at least 10 absences within the school year, has always been an issue here. But since the pandemic, 38% more students are missing weeks, sometimes months, of school. Last year, nearly 14 million students nationwide were chronically absent, nearly twice as many compared to previous years. I think it is a a major crisis. Jefferson County Superintendent Marty Polio. When you think of housing instability, food instability, a student who doesn't have clean clothes may not come to school. There is a youth resource center in each Jefferson County school that provides everything from clean clothes and hygiene products to food for struggling students. We don't want to punish them for not going to school. We want to take away all the barriers that might be keeping them from coming to school. Students like 19-year-old Hector, who in addition to school, works 40 hours a week to help support his family. How many school days did you miss last year? Like half of the year I didn't come to school. Half of the year you didn't yeah, come to school? Yeah. After several house calls, Lance was able to convince Hector to return to school. How does it feel that this school helped bring you back to school after you missed almost half a year last oh, year? That's feel like I'm special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With added support, Hector will graduate high school in 2025 at 20 years old. Do you feel like you're making a difference, especially when you're going to these doors and no one's even answering? I think if you affect one person, it's a difference, especially, you know, in, in some of our communities that you can save a kid. Meg Oliver, CBS News. Jefferson County, Kentucky. We've got some breaking news on that historic Texas abortion case. That's next. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Tonight we're learning that the woman who sued Texas so she could have an abortion is leaving the state to get the procedure. It comes after what's being described as a hellish week for Kate Cox. Late Friday, the Texas Supreme Court blocked an order stopping the 31-year-old from having an abortion. And to make the legal limbo more confusing, Texas's high court just vacated its order 
since she left the state. Doctors say her fetus has a fatal condition, and without emergency care, the mother of two's life is at risk, and she may not be able to get pregnant again in the future. Hundreds of Delta passengers flying from Amsterdam to Detroit get stranded in a remote part of Canada. We've got the details of their travel nightmare. That's next. Passengers aboard a transatlantic Delta Airlines flight got stranded over the weekend at a remote military base in Canada. CBS's Chris Van Cleve has more on their unexpected detour. You can see outside it's starting to rain and snow. A mechanical issue stranded 270 Delta passengers flying from Amsterdam to Detroit in remote Goose Bay, Canada. The issue, they said, was uh, there was a problem with the de-icing on one of the engines, and they had to make a landing urgently. Uh, Goose Bay is a military base that has a long runway. That's what you need. Uh, The key is to safety, get it on the ground first, figure out how you get everybody off later. Delta sent a rescue plane, but the airline says due to weather and runway conditions, the crew timed out, leaving passengers stuck on board for hours before finally getting into military barracks as temperatures approached freezing. All we've gotten are some snacks, and the last real meal we had was 15 hours ago. And most of us, we weren't anticipating to be in Canada in this cold area, so we don't even have jackets. Delta sent a second rescue flight this morning, hoping to get passengers out before a major winter storm. We're very anxious and also angry that this has taken so long. After more than 24 hours, passengers finally took off for Detroit late this afternoon. Delta is apologizing. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News. That is a travel nightmare. All right, Taylor Swift's golden year shines on with a big Hollywood honor. We've got the details next. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tonight, the two blockbuster movies that dominated the summer box office are leading this year's Golden Globe nominations. Barbie is up for nine awards, including Best Musical or Comedy. On the drama side, Oppenheimer is up for eight Golden Globes, facing off against films including Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon and Bradley Cooper's Maestro. Well, Taylor Swift's concert movie is among eight movies that were nominated in the new Box Office Achievement Category, the 81st Annual Golden Globe Awards, will air live on Sunday, January 7th, right here on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Always a reminder, I need to watch some more movies because they all look good. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app 
or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.